I was actually looking um, on Facebook, it comes up in your memories, um, what you were doing like in the few years that you've had Facebook, and it came up in my memories that a few years ago, um, I actually spoke um, a thought on Valentine's Day, and um, the thought was entitled, Love is Hard Work. And you know, um, since, since those, uh, since the few years since that, I've probably discovered more since that sermon that love is indeed hard work. And um, you know, this morning I'm going to be speaking about Jesus, and Jesus is the Son of God. God is the creator of the universe. Um, he made each and every one of us. He breathes life into our lungs. And you know, when I say the thought that love is hard work, I do truly know and believe that Jesus himself worked harder than anybody ever has to love. And I'm going to share that a little bit later on. But what I want to do to begin this morning is share another story about Jesus. And it's found in Luke chapter 5. Again, I've entitled this message this morning, Why Do You? And that will become clear why I've done that just as we share um, this morning and we read from these verses. I'm just reading two verses from Luke chapter 5, verses 30 and 32. They'll be on the screen behind me. And it says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. But the sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's just pray before we begin to look at God's word together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is an encouragement. I thank you, God, that while your son was on earth, he taught and he spoke to us, God. And he taught us, Lord, how to love. And Father, I just thank you again for this wonderful message that we have and God, I pray that as I would share this morning, that you would reveal what you want us to hear. Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. I pray you would bless the rest of our time together. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I want to give a bit of context to the verses that are up behind me here, just before um, I sort of get into the why I'm speaking on this this morning. You know, by this point, um, Jesus, his life, his work, kind of all about him. By Luke chapter 5, it had become pretty well known. This guy, Jesus, um, had become pretty well known. All the things that he was doing, it was spreading. And we know this because earlier in, the, um, in this chapter, actually, in verse 15, it tells us that news about Jesus, not only, not only that, but news about Jesus and his power was spreading. It was spreading. People were aware of what was happening. There were, there were actual crowds, like we read in Luke 18 earlier, there were crowds coming to see Jesus. Not only to see him, but they were coming to hear what he had to say. They were traveling from all over and they were coming to see Jesus. They were coming to hear from Jesus and they were coming to be healed by Jesus as well. So again, he had become pretty well known for these things. 
um, by this point in Luke chapter 5. You know, Jesus had been doing things that nobody on earth had ever really been doing before, or at least not to this scale, because he was doing things like preaching and teaching. And as it says, people came to hear what he had to say. Um, he was telling sicknesses to leave people's bodies. He was telling illnesses to leave people's bodies. And they were. They would go out of the bodies of the people that he would speak to. He was calling demons out of people and they were fleeing. He was placing his hands on people with leprosy. Which, if you know anything about leprosy, you will know that that's just not something that you do. But what Jesus does is he places his hands on people with leprosy and their disease leaves them. Their disease is actually gone. These are the type of things that Jesus was doing. Just before this story, actually, um, in Luke chapter 5 again, he told a paralyzed man, a man who could not walk, he told him to get up and to walk. We were studying this on Tuesday night. He told him to get up and walk, and that's exactly what he did. That's what happens with the paralyzed man. And, you know, as I say, Jesus was doing things that just wasn't the norm. We hadn't seen it before. And the last story I mentioned there about the paralyzed man, well, being healed, it's actually told literally near enough just before this story in Luke chapter 5. And it tells us in that story that the people that we read of here, the Pharisees, well, it tells us that they were there. So the Pharisees that we read about this morning, the ones who questioned Jesus, well, they were there when he healed a paralyzed man. And it actually tells us that they were there to hear what Jesus had to say as well. They heard his teaching. They heard his preaching. They heard his message um, on that very day too. So they were present when Jesus had healed this paralyzed man. You know, when I think of the Pharisees, the Pharisees are kind of like, they were really strict religious people. They were really strict religious people. I imagine them to be like really, really staunch, proper like churchgoers, but not like, not the kind you get here where you walk in and they're all like, oh, hiya, how are you? Welcome to Living Hope. We're delighted you're here. They're probably more like the, excuse me, that's my seat. Sorry, could you just, if you just want to, yeah. You know, I imagine that it'd be more like that, a bit more, a bit, a bit more religious. So the Pharisees, even being like this, they knew about Jesus, but they still had the religion, and so they still had their questions. They they knew who he was, they heard his teaching, they they seen him make a paralyzed man walk, and it tells us that the Pharisees the Pharisees actually come from every village of Galilee. So they come from all the villages around where Jesus was. They come from Judea. They come from Jerusalem. So they're traveling from everywhere. These people who are questioning Jesus, they're traveling from everywhere because they know what he's about. So it's interesting that despite all of this, they still ask the question, why do you? 
The Pharisees still ask this question, why do you? And again, this is where the title of my thought comes from this morning. I just think it's a fascinating question given the circumstances and the things that surround it. You see, the Pharisees still question what Jesus does, even though they were the ones traveling to hear him. They were the ones traveling to see him and they're still questioning what he's doing. So they got to see and hear firsthand what Jesus was all about and they still ask, why do you? They still question Jesus. And do you know what? In fairness, I'll cut the Pharisees, I'll cut these religious people, these teachers of the law, I'll cut them a little bit of slack because the question um, sort of makes sense when you realise what Jesus was actually doing in this moment. You see, it tells us there in these verses again that Jesus was associating with tax collectors. He was associating with tax collectors. And, you know, tax collectors were associated with sinners. They were associated with people who did all sorts of wrong throughout this book of Luke. And in the time of this story, um, in the time that this story took place, people despised tax collectors. The word tells us that. People despised them. They were some of the most hated people about because of the nature of their work, but also they actually profited by charging people more than they were supposed to be charged. So these are the type of people that Jesus is keeping company with here. And the nature of their work, the, the things that they do, they were just hated, they were despised. And, you know, even... Like you think today, when you get your wage packet or whatever it is, you get your wage slip and you see the tax deduction on it. And it's not nice, it's never nice, it's annoying, but it's not, it's not a person. They actually had somebody to take their anger out on, but more so than that, they also had this person who was taking more than they were due. So these are the sort of people that Jesus was associating with. Um, so you sort of understand a bit the question, but then again, when Jesus goes and he does things that other people don't do, when he puts his hands on people with leprosy, when he calls out demons, you also kind of wonder, well, who are you to question? Who are you to question when you've seen the things that they have seen? And it's not necessarily what they ask, it's how they ask it. That's a familiar thing that we hear. It's how they ask the question because it tells us that the Pharisees complained. It says there in the first verse that we read that the Pharisees complained. Other translations actually say that they complained bitterly. They didn't just ask the question, they were complaining. And I think the world that we live in, it has a lot of Pharisee type people, or at least Pharisee type behaviour. So often we're complaining um, because we don't like, we don't like the look of what somebody else is doing. We don't like the look of what they're doing or who they're associating with. You know, we say, what way is that to be getting on? Why are they doing that? Why are they associating with those people? And our complaints, just like the Pharisees, are probably mostly unjustified. They're probably mostly unjustified. And the Pharisees, again, well, they would turn out to be unjustified as well. So instead of finding out the full story, we take something at face value and say that they're wrong. Instead of finding out all the context, instead of finding out the background, we just look at somebody and we say, they're wrong. That's not the right thing to do. 
That's not the right thing to do. Well, I think sometimes we're wrong, and so were the Pharisees as well. And it's not even just that they asked the question. Again, it's how they asked the question, but also where they asked it to, because it tells us how they complain. And it says the Pharisees complained to the disciples. That's not even who they have the problem with. It's not even who they have the issue with. They don't complain directly to the source. They complain to the people around them. It sounds familiar when you hear it like that. They, they complain to the people around them. They never want to face issues head on. And I think that we can be similar too. That we never want to face issues head on. We're just happy playing Chinese whispers and getting somebody else to pass the message on. And this is before... Jesus even gets a chance to defend himself. He'd only said one other statement in this story, and this was before he'd even got a chance to defend himself. But he, here's Jesus' answer to why do you? When they ask the disciples, why do you? And Jesus answers them, because they, they weren't asking him, they complained to the disciples, but Jesus responds to how do you? He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus had already shown in the short time that he had been working on the earth that he was about the people who were outside the circle. He was about those who were on the edge of society. He comes for those who have problems that need dealt with. And we talk about, um, you know, we, we talk about the things that we go through. We talk about our own illnesses and our own sicknesses. But Jesus hasn't come just to physically heal us. And again, we touched on this on Tuesday night. Jesus hasn't come just to physically heal us. Now, we believe in this church that he does. And we believe that the power of prayer is mighty. And we see Jesus heal people. But this isn't necessarily the reason that he comes. Because he hasn't just come to heal us physically. He's dealing with the real problem. And in this story, he's dealing with the real problem. He hasn't come to call the righteous. He hasn't come to call the people who already know him or who are already doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. It says he comes, he comes that sinners would come to repentance, that those who would do wrong would come to repentance, would come to give themselves over, to, to offer up what they've been doing, to say, listen, this is the life that I've been leading, but I give it over to you, God. He comes for the people who are outside the circle. The Bible tells us that all have sinned, and then it goes on to say, and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's simply what sin is. Sin is falling short of God's glory. God's glory is something that we could never live up to, but yet Jesus comes to make us righteous, to give us righteousness. And I just want to finish with a few verses this morning. And the first is this, John 12, 46. I have come into the world as a light 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You know, it would be, it would be a pretty bitter ending if we just left it at the fact that Jesus comes for these certain people and we're all wrongdoers. And if we just left it at that, then again, that would be like this verse is talking about. That would be darkness. But Jesus comes to be the light in the darkness. He comes so that no one should live in darkness as long as they believe in him. Jesus wants us to live in the light. Can I tell you this morning that if you feel like you're missing something in your life, I can tell you it is the light that God shines upon you. It's the light that Jesus Christ omits. It is the light that he wants to place within you this morning. And the next verse that I want to read says this, from Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came so that we could know the message and then he could live it out and he died for it. It says that he gave his life as a ransom for many. What that means is, as I said earlier, we fall short, but what Jesus does is he goes to the cross, he's crucified for us, and he pays a debt that we simply could never pay. And he gives us the opportunity. He gives us the opportunity and with the final verse that I'm going to read, it says in Romans 10, 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You know, this morning, again, it would be a pretty bitter ending if I said that Jesus goes to the cross and he dies there, and then full stop, story finished, but it's not. The story doesn't finish with Jesus' death on the cross because actually the Bible tells us, and you can believe this to be 100% true because it is. The Bible tells us that Jesus would die on the cross, he would be buried in a tomb, and he would lie there for three days, but then he would be raised to life. You see, Jesus, we believe this morning, is the resurrection Last week, we had a baptism service where people stood on this stage and they talked about the people they were before they met Jesus and the people they became after they met Jesus. And what, what we did with those people, we baptized them. So we took them into the water and we put them under the water and we raised them up. And what that did was that symbolized Jesus dying and raising to life. And that symbolizes our death to our old life and our new birth, our new life. And this is what Jesus offers us this morning. He's not come for the righteous. He hasn't come for those people who think that they know. He hasn't come for those people. He's come for those who are outside of the circle. He's come for those who need a saviour. He's come for those who need a saviour. And let me tell you, that's all of us this morning. We all need a saviour. Jesus came to the cross. He died on the cross and he rose again to prove that you can have 
the light of the world, that you can have new life, that you can have life in him. I'm going to invite the team up and they're going to sing a song that really touches my heart at the finish of the service. I hope this is what they're still singing. God, I look to you. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. This song really touches my heart because it says, God, I look to you and I won't be overwhelmed. You know, somebody once pointed out to me, Rach, that's strange. If I looked at God, I would probably be overwhelmed by who he is. I'd probably be overwhelmed by how big God is or um, just knowing everything about him. But you see, when I look to God and I won't be overwhelmed, it's because he's my comfort. It's because he's my strength. And the song tells us that. It says that I will love you, Lord. Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I will love you, Lord, my rock. These are all the things that God wants to be for us this morning. And the opportunity is there for you. Jesus had a message that he would want us to accept. And I pray this morning that as I come to a close, that you would accept that Jesus has a plan for your life. That the creator of the universe planned for you to be in this room this morning. He planned for you to hear the words that he spoke when he was on earth. And he wants you to come to him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to love him just as he loved you by going to the cross and dying for you. Church, can I ask you to stand? I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. And Father, we thank you that you are our comfort. You are our shield. You are our strength. Lord, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And God, we thank you that those who are in darkness can be brought into light. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity this morning. And we just give you all the praise. Amen. Church, we're going to take our offering as we sing our last song.